So guys, my question to you is, what would you say to the person who has that kind of perspective of God is sovereign and he's going to do whatever he does. So therefore we don't need to be a part of the process, right? God just works things out and it doesn't matter. We don't need to be involved. We need to focus on the gospel only and, and just forget about it. But why would you focus on the gospel only if God does everything? Ah. To stay in bed. Yeah, it's the means by which God uses to accomplish his will, right? So why, why am I going to pray? Well, prayer is the vehicle that God uses to move his hand oftentimes, right? So God oftentimes will work supernaturally in a very natural realm, that he has set up people and circumstances and situations in order to accomplish his will. Yeah. It's interesting to me that people will use that fallback argument in different contexts. So when... For example, if somebody might say, well, I'm not going to worry about racism, just preach the gospel. But then they talk about abortion and they don't say just preach the gospel. They are advocates to stop abortion mills from doing what they do, right? So the point that I want to make here is that we are all commanded to one, preach the gospel. But the other thing that God commanded us to do is to go into the world and bring his kingdom, which is a moral ethical and spiritual command to will the good of others through action. And so just preach the gospel. No, preach the gospel and bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We are commanded to be the hands and feet of God's justice to protect those who cannot protect themselves, to seek injustices and right that wrong. And that requires action from all of us. I say Ray Comfort for president. That's what I say. And you know, Ray, when I try to envision you as the president of the United States, I can't help but conclude that your secret service detail would need their own secret service detail to protect them from you accidentally killing them. <laughs> you don't need to worry. I was born twice in New Zealand. I have to be born in the U.S., to become president. So, oh, so, so it's an impossibility. Ah, I was hoping it could be a reality. Ray, what would you do as president? I mean, if you, if you really were made president of the United States. I'd like that big red button on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Ray having the nuclear codes? <laughs> <laughs> What's this? Yeah. Well, we know if you were the Pope, what would you say? You, you I'd, write... preach, I'd preach the gospel off the balcony. Just give me... Yeah, I want to write checks so quickly to feed the poor and uh, promote the gospel. You'd see flames leap off the paper. Ooh, I'd love to see you in a Pope mobile, Ray. <laughs> That's what we should call his Volkswagen. It's white. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I, I would just make a little hole in the top. Yeah. I could see you in a Pope mobile, but like, you know, the the, tra- the uh, million dollar bill track gun that shoots out mm-hmm. <laughs> tracks, but you'd have like a big cannon with just, boom, I'd love just it. throwing millions everywhere. Give me ideas. Yeah. Don't give me ideas. Well, friends, if you haven't guessed, we are talking about politics today. And you gave me another idea this morning. What? Get ostriches and... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we were texting back and forth, Ray, Ken Am and me. We were talking about eggs. And was it Ken that sent the ostrich eggs? I did. Or was it you? I did. Uh, I said someone should farm ostriches and, uh, and, and sell ostrich I eggs. I would love to do that. Yeah, me, Mark Spence, and Charles Spurgeon were texting earlier today. We were talking about, remember when Spurgeon made that joke about peanut butter? Spurgeon only emails me. I can't believe he texts you guys. But yeah, but we're talking about politics today. This has been one of those issues that I think Christians have had a lot of confusion over 
uh, believers have been split on this. And we want to explore what is the Christian's proper role in politics and, uh, and how does that play out? You know, guys, I came to the U.S. when I was about four and a half almost. And we you, you want to hear this story, Mark? Every time. Is it going to be a long story? Very. In fact, it's going to be When anyone the, ever the says, it all began when I was two. <laughs> we just know two. you're in for a Here we go. You want to look at the photos from my vacation? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen because we didn't talk about what our perspectives are on this before we started. And let me just say, it's good sometimes to, to clash. Everyone who agrees on everything uh, really, that's ridiculous. Do you guys realize you've used that joke like 10 times on 10 different podcasts? We are all dads. It will never <laughs> get old. Oh, boy. But yeah, I don't know where we're all going to land. We may have a difference of view on this, but that's good. That's how you hash things out and uh, learn. So uh, I came when I was about four and a half, and I love this country. I, I absolutely love America. And I know that it's imperfect. Our, our governmental system is imperfect. No. And you didn't know that? No. Yeah, well, I'm educating you. Uh, there's obviously corruption that takes place. But when you compare the system that we have to the rest of the world, I mean, really, the framers of the Constitution were brilliant. You mm-hmm. think of the three different branches of government, the way that things... Well, no, based on you know, scripture. Out. Where did they get that idea from? Mm. I wonder, I wonder. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's it's amazing when when there is a biblical worldview that's at play, even even if maybe the, the founding fathers were not all real Christians, per are se. Are there which... founding mothers? <laughs> right. Why is there no founding mothers? <laughs> it's not always fathers. The bottom line is that they, they were steeped in a Christian worldview based on their heritage, uh, even though, again, it, it wasn't a perfect one. But I love this country. I love what we have here coming from a, a country where there's massive corruption and there isn't a system like there is here. There's supposed to be democracy in Lebanon, but it doesn't really end up working that way. Mm. So, Ray, you and I both became citizens. You guys were born citizens. We were naturalized. Do you remember, Ray, your uh, swearing-in ceremony? Where you, where you renounced the queen? I didn't. What? I kept quiet during that. But <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't renounce the queen? No, I don't want to go. They're going to come for you. Queens, the Bible says, honor the king. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to speak nasty against the queen. Right. Anyway, I do remember it, and I remember why I became naturalized. It was because Spurgeon told me to. I read a portion of the sermon where Spurgeon said, if you are living in a foreign country and you're not a citizen, don't you dare talk about the sins of the, the nation. And I wow. thought, wow, that's, that's really Is that really what? Yes, that's what motivated me. I thought, yeah. yikes, because I really wanted to address the subject of sin. And I can't say, I'm a New Zealander. I'm going to tell you how bad America is. No. This is not good. But to be able to say, I'm an American citizen. I love this country, and we need to repent. It holds water when you're a citizen. Yeah, that's so good. Good point. I want to get your take on this, Christian's involvement in politics. I personally think, let me kick us off by saying that I think one of the most foolish things that believers can do is not be involved in the political process. Okay, thanks for joining the program. Have a nice day. Which one of you disagree with me? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. What do you have to say, huh? Huh? So what do you guys think? I agree. I agree. (laughs) <laughs> Why are you all looking at Oscar? <laughs> I, yeah, really. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the way our nation is set up is if you are of voting age, 
there's simply no way around not being involved in some way, shape, or form politically. Yeah. Because even by not voting, essentially what you're saying is, I agree with the status quo and I want nothing changed. That's what not voting is essentially saying. So there's no way around it. I think the real question, and then from a biblical precedence, the Lord clearly desires us to be involved in the public square, yeah. both in business, uh, culture, and in the arts, and in politics. It was C.S. Lewis that pointed out, like, he, he dreamed, he said, what if the most influential politician, the most creative and followed artist and musician, what if they were all Christian? What mm. would that do to our culture? And so I think that there's a biblical precedence uh, as Christians to be involved. And I think as Americans, it is our duty to be involved for the glory of God and the, and the good of our neighbors. The real question is, to what extent, mm. how do we involve ourselves yeah. in a way that honors God? Right. Yeah. And again, you always end up with, with the extremes and we find ourselves in places where we have unfavorable laws that negatively impact our ability to proclaim the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we then are shocked and we're like, what in the world? And we never involved ourselves in the process. And when I say the process, I'm talking about both voting and championing godly causes and running for office and being involved in the political process. Now, I'm not going to mention his name, but we have a very, very close friend who's very high up. I wanted to mention his name, but <laughs> I, I can't mention his name either, but yeah. it rhymes with. <laughs> right. He's very, very high up in government, and he's, he's a very, very close friend of ours. And it's been a delight and a blessing to see the impact that he's been able to have for righteousness' sake. My perspective on that is... Why in the world would you not when you have been given the opportunity to? I mean, I know that there are some countries where you don't get that opportunity. Right. They're, they're totalitarian regimes or you can't really be involved in it or it's just a puppet government where nothing really matters anyway what you do. But we have been given the opportunity to say we can make our voices heard. Mm. We can have representation in Congress. We can vote on certain things and then we don't do it. Mm -hmm. There's something that I think is, is tragic about that. And you can see in the life of Joseph, he got involved in politics and influenced the whole nation, saved the nation by his philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we see that with Esther. We Daniel. see it with uh, Daniel. I mean, even John with Herod, right? As crazy as that is. But what we must remember, if you're going to enter into uh, politics, your first and foremost marching orders are to be an ambassador for Christ. Amen. Right? You, you must properly reflect the person and the character of God through righteous decisions. You cannot let anything kind of slip by. You can't say, and this often ha happens in politics, right? Okay, I'll vote for you in this if you vote for me in this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you can't do that. No, there's no compromise. We can't compromise in any way, shape, or form. If a Christian does seek office, he should only do so if he can faithfully execute the duties of that office to the glory of God without compromising Christian principles. Right, that is the main takeaway that Got Questions had said. And I think that that is something that we must always remember, not just with politics, but any job that you're going to grab a hold of. Right, Working in politics is not something greater than being a garbage man yeah. or being a plumber or electrician. Whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God. And if you must compromise your spiritual beliefs in any one of these realms, get out. Hmm. 
If you're going to be a lawyer, be a lawyer to the glory of God. There's no lying. There's no deceiving. There's no, I'm going to try to misrepresent my client or what actually happened. No, you do it to the glory of God or you go get another job. What about car salesman? <laughs> All the same. To the glory of God. All except that one. Yeah, I think, I think one, we're talking about being involved comprehensively meaning in all aspects of life. And that includes local politics. Because I think often what happens is that we think that the only way to be involved in politics is nationally, on a national level by voting, which that is a part of it. But we can't overlook our local impact. Mm -hmm. And the point that I want to make here is that like, if you are a Christian and you don't know where the nearest abortion mill is, you're not involved in local politics. If you're a Christian and you don't understand the things that the poor and oppressed are experiencing in your neighborhood, or if you're a Christian and you don't understand the impact of sex trafficking, like look at us. So we live in Orange County, one of the most affluential counties. Sorry, you don't. (laughs) LA and Orange County are both two of the most affluential counties in the entire world. And there is, and there are also hubs for sex trafficking, hubs of places where poor people struggle hubs for abortion mills. And so to be involved nationally and overlooking your local needs, I think the scriptures make it clear that to love your neighbor starts with literally your neighbor, Mm. right? We need to start there on a local level. Yeah. And I want to talk about, like you're saying, you know, the gospel in a bit in that regard and evangelism, but Ray, that's kind of been a part of your frustration too, when churches are so focused on missions and going on missionary journeys and trips and supporting missionaries, but they're not preaching the gospel at home. Yeah, I heard of a, a group that went across to India and sat on the hills of Calcutta, I think it's got a different name now, and overlooked the city and prayed over it and came back. <laughs> and I thought, they could have done that from here. Yeah. You know, they go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. So it's it's so important, as Mark said, that we we don't forget our agenda if you're a a Christian politician, you need to be that, have that first and foremost. But it's very difficult for the average Joe, like you and I, to discern who's a genuine Christian and who's not, because everyone who gets into politics, to get into politics, you have to be a baby kisser, and you have to talk about God just mm. a little bit, maybe hold up yeah. a Bible. Otherwise, you're not going to get votes from all the so-called religious people that are in America. So it becomes confusing, because we've had past presidents who profess to be born again, and they're as born again as I'm Chinese. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. <laughs> These days, you can identify as Chinese if you want, yes. basically anything. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Mark, do you think a part of the repulsion that Christians experience when it comes to politics comes from the hypocrisy 
and politicians. I mean, really, it's kind of like used car salesman and politician, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of go hand in hand almost. But do you think that's a part of what causes people to not want to even get involved in the whole realm? You can't trust any politician. I don't want to vote for anyone. I don't care. Trust God. Forget about it. Yeah, I, I think that there there definitely is that aspect. I mean, how many times have we heard during a congressional hearing or during a State of the Union address, God just needs to send an earthquake, open up, and just completely start over by eliminating everybody in there? We also see that God is able to use uh, fallible people to accomplish His will. That ultimately we begin to vote for people, but the final vote belongs to the Lord. He raises kings up. Yeah. He takes them down, mm. right? And it's weird to think that because we go, Lord, you are so patient. I mean, why do you not bring forth a judgment upon these people? I mean, our current governor is arguing a couple different things here, right? One, he's saying, he just said this past week, that uh, he's offering free abortions. He wants to offer free abortions to anybody in the state of California. He wants to put a Planned Parenthood in every university here in California. What? And now we're seeing it argued for infanticide, for killing the uh, baby here in California up to 28 days after the child is born. And the same governor, didn't he say he wants to fly people from other states that outlaw abortion to California to have abortions? Yeah. So this is insane, right? The leaders we elect, they have great influence on our freedoms. Right? They can choose to protect our right to worship and to gather, as was removed during the time of COVID, or spread the gospel, right? Our freedom of speech, our ability to assemble, our ability to just convey our deep down convictions that we have. We saw during COVID how much rights we actually have in light of how many rights the governor has and what a governor can do and what he can shut down. Boy, I'm very impressed with Florida's governor and what and decisions that he is making. Yeah. Um, is the guy a Christian? I have no idea, but I'm telling you, there are biblical values that are being portrayed. And this is kind of like one of the reasons why people flock towards Joe Rogan, who's anything but a Christian, because he has the ability to say, we need to have freedom of speech yeah. for people to be able to say whatever you want to be able to say. We're saying, oh, well, look at him. He's now, he's a, he's a strong conservative and he's nothing but... You know, nothing yeah. but that. But uh, we need to have more and more people inside of a place of position where they can exercise their uh, abilities to put God-honoring and God-fearing uh, legislature to work. Yeah, mm. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. If you have that incline to head that direction, please head that direction. Yeah. Mark, I think you meant to say Joe Rogan is anything but... A conservative, right? Anything but a conservative. Okay. You Did said I nothing say, but. but yeah. All right, yeah, he's anything but a conservative. Right, he's right, not. Right. He, I mean, he's he's very, very liberal. Yeah, and very yeah. crude. Thank you too. for correcting yeah. that. Let's talk about that point for I just disagree. a moment. <laughs> <laughs> we need to disagree on something with each other. But let's talk about that point for a moment, because aside from the fact that some Christians will say, well, there's just hypocrisy, we can't trust these guys. There are others that will say, well, I can't vote for anyone who's not a Christian. Are we looking for pastor-in-chief, or is it okay for Christians to vote for someone who's not a Christian? And MacArthur had a really good thing on that, you know, when it came time to vote for Trump. He said, look, I'm not looking to elect the next conservative pope into office, right? I'm looking for somebody that aligns more along to what I believe biblically. And then he laid out a biblical case in order to vote for somebody who, which 
people would say the lesser of two evils is kind of the idea. But I'm not, I refuse to ever vote for someone who's a baby killer. Yeah. I, I don't care if you and I agree on every other thing. If you believe that we can kill babies inside the womb, you will never get my vote. Anathema. Yeah. Yeah, to your point, I would agree in the sense that even the scriptures have examples in which God's people uh, partnered, aligned with non-believers to rebuild the wall. I'm thinking about Nineveh, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a reason why, especially living Is in that pol- Nineveh or Nehemiah? In Jericho or Nineveh? Nehemiah? Cerritos? Nehemiah. Sorry, you're oh. right. Nehemiah. I apologize. Okay. The wall that was built in Nehemiah was funded by a Babylonian king who was not a believer. Right. Yeah. So there's reason to partner. And I think living in a pluralistic society requires us to work together with non-believers for the greater good. And so we don't have to vote a pastor into office by any yeah. means necessary. However, I think, again, I think a value is to listen to the, the best argument from the other side rather than the worst argument. And I think what some would say is, well, how could Christians have come down so hard on somebody like a Bill Clinton, but then totally turn a blind eye towards the things or make excuses for the things that somebody like Trump would do or say. And so I think that as we engage, what we cannot do is allow our passions to turn a blind eye to the sins of the people that we are working alongside. We need to be able to call them to repentance and stand against, even if we voted for that person. Like if you can't find a reason to disagree with the person that you voted for, if you can't say that is wrong and I'm not okay with that publicly for the person that you also vote for and back, then my question is, where are your loyalties? You have to be careful that your loyalties aren't pushed so heavily into the kingdom of man that you forget to hold them accountable to what God commands from our leaders. Yeah. Well, that's why I love John the Baptist, who was referenced earlier, you know, with Herod. He was bold enough to take a stand and to point those things out. I've always been refreshed by Christians who will give no pass to the politician that maybe even they voted for Mm -hmm. in terms of their moral failures or their present character in terms of what they're doing, but that can say with clarity why it is they voted and it, it's it's on the basis of the agenda or the policies and you know i mean again in scripture you have king cyrus you have king nebuchadnezzar i mean they were called god's servants in some cases like that god had raised them up and that god used them for his purposes and god can do that even with wicked people in a sense not that character doesn't matter at all and there are things i believe that totally disqualify people from serving and, and things like that but but yeah, it is possible to, and, and, and especially in our day and age, to recognize it. It doesn't mean we're voting for a believer. If we can, that's great. Sure. If the person happens to be a believer, that, that's, that's great. But that, that doesn't always you know, align. So guys, my question to you is, what would you say to the person who has that kind of perspective of God is sovereign and he's going to do whatever he does so therefore, we don't need to be a part of the process, right? God just works things out and it doesn't matter. We don't need to be involved. We need to focus on the gospel only and, and just forget about but it. But why would you focus on the gospel only if God does everything? Ah. Just stay in bed. 
Yeah, it's the uh, means by which God uses to accomplish his will, right? So why, why am I going to pray? Well, prayer is the vehicle that God uses to move his hand oftentimes, right? So God oftentimes will work supernaturally in a very natural realm, that he has set up people and circumstances and situations in order to accomplish his will. Yeah. It's interesting to me that people will use that fallback argument in different contexts. So when, for example, if somebody might say, well, I'm not going to worry about racism, just preach the gospel. But then they talk about abortion and they don't say just preach the gospel. They are advocates to stop abortion mills from doing what they do. Right. So the point that I want to make here is that we are all commanded to one, preach the gospel. But the other thing that God commanded us to do is to go into the world and bring his kingdom, which is a moral ethical and spiritual command to will the good of others through action. And so just preach the gospel. No, preach the gospel and bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We are commanded to be the hands and feet of God's justice to protect those who cannot protect themselves, to seek injustices and right that wrong. And, And that requires action from all of us. Oh, amen. I came across this powerful quote. Why do you believe Christians should be actively involved with politics? A question was asked. The answer was, the key point is to realize that we are involved anyway. We have no choice about being political because if we choose not to engage, then it is a vote for the status quo, Mm. the way things are. All Christians are political, whether they realize it or not, but especially when they don't realize it. That's good. Uh, We all all are. I mean, and, and you're... Basically, by just sitting back in silence, you're not being active in a way that you've been given the privilege to be. And again, we can't just stop and say, well, where does it say in the Bible to vote or whatever? Well, we're called to be the salt of the world, the light of the earth. Light of the earth, salt of the world. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, that's the easy version of the Bible. Yeah, we've been given the opportunity to be involved. You know, it's interesting that Paul in Romans calls the government the minister of God, hmm. you know, and, and then they are. And he was under a corrupt and, I mean, a, a very immoral government, hmm. right? The Roman mm-hmm, government. Mm-hmm. And even in that, he said that God appoints and God still uses. In Deuteronomy one thirteen, it says, choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's voting, yeah. right? Choose for right. yourself. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, there's a synergy happening there. Yeah. yeah. The Family Research Council wrote an article, and I think this really kind of helps shed some light. It says, there seems to be an assumption in some circles that politics is inherently defiled and that political involvement is inappropriate for those serious about the gospel. This view fits into what theologian Wayne Grudem calls the, quote, do evangelism, not politics approach to civic engagement. And let me just say, obviously, if there's anyone who's going to say, do evangelism, it's us, right? Mm -hmm. But he's talking about it to the exclusion of, of, you know, being involved. Adherents of this view suggest that Christians should exclusively focus on sharing the good news and discipling others in the faith because Jesus' final command was to make disciples. In other words, because political engagement does not lead someone to faith in Christ, it is not considered a top priority. However, 
Upon closer examination of Scripture, this objection fails to account for a broader perspective of politics, one that incorporates how people order their lives and affairs, and the reality that the Christian worldview has much to say about civic responsibility. Moreover, the objection does not consider the responsibility Christians have to steward the blessings and opportunities entrusted to them, because voting is a matter of stewardship. Christians live in a constitutional republic, uh, who live in a constitutional republic, should seek to vote in a way that honors God and advances the well-being of their neighbor. Let me let me do this, shift the gears a little bit and talk about a concern I have for both myself and my fellow believers, which is that we begin to adopt a secular expectation for the world around us. And here's what I mean by that. The word secular uh, has many different meanings. I, I tend to borrow Charles Taylor's meaning of secular, which, right. <laughs> which he says that secular is not becoming less religious. It's rather shifting our religion and our allegiances from God into politics. Yeah. And he warned that when that happens, that our identities and our way of viewing the world would become primarily political. And I think that we often do that right? Like when our neighbors move in, we think of them as like, oh, are they conservative or are they liberal? If that's the first thing that you think about your neighbor, or when you're listening to a new pundit, you're thinking, I wonder which way this guy votes, right? Or even when we talk about theology, we tend to say that it's left or right, which is a, we're bringing political language even to the way we understand our Bibles. We allow politics to adjust our lens of God rather than allowing God and the scriptures to inform our politics. And this is an identity issue. Uh, and, and let me say this, 25 years before Jesus, there was a man named Judas of Galilean and he led a revolt. He did three things. One, his revolt was over what was called a head tax. Essentially what they wanted, it was like this nothing, it was like $20, the equivalent of $20 a year. So people were upset about this tax in Israel, not because it took a lot from them, but because of what the tax represented. To pay the tax was your way of committing allegiance to Caesar. Mm. That's all it meant. It was, it was a way, it was almost like a poke in the eye that, that Caesar had rule and authority over you, right? And so Judas of Galilee comes along and he refuses to pay the tax. And then he goes and he leads an armed band to cleanse the temple. And 25 years later, just after Jesus cleanses the temple, people walk up to him and ask him who, whether they should pay this same denarius tax, right? They're challenging wow. him. They're wondering what he's gonna say to this. And here's what Jesus says. He says to bring him a denarius, which again is like 20 bucks maybe. And he asks, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they say that it's Caesar's. And he says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Here's the thing. We often think about this verse about taxes but it's actually about identity because Jesus says who's the original word is whose icon, whose image is on this coin. And he says, if it's Caesar's, then give him to Caesar's. But then he looks at you and he says, whose image is on you? Whose image are you made in? Give to God what is God's. Here's, I think one of God's, Jesus's point in that moment is that to be involved, to engage with the Roman authority, to give them what belongs to them, voting, involvement, et cetera, et cetera. But do not allow your loyalty, your hope, or your identity 
to be caught up into the political atmosphere. Mm. And I think that's the temptation of all of us. We tend to think that God's kingdom is going to come through political action, Mm -hmm. but that is not how God intends to bring his kingdom. Our hope should not be in our politicians or our policies. Our hope and allegiance can only be in God because he's the only one worthy of worship. He is the king that instead of asking us to pay a tax, he's the one that pays the ultimate tax Mm. to redeem us to make us more and more like him. Yeah, amen. And that, that's very important to bring that's up. Great. I wanted us to touch on that as well because we've talked about the other extreme of Christians checking out and totally abdicating their responsibility to be involved politically. But then, Ray, there's the other swing of the pendulum, and that's where politics almost replaces our faith and it replaces the gospel. That's why it's always important to remember to be the uh, light of the earth and the salt of the world. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to get into some of the things you've switched around, Governor? I don't think so. What was it? Wash, wash his, wash oh, his that's right. hair this, with her feet? This woman washed Jesus' hair with, <laughs> with her feet. Nobody noticed. It was a church of 200, and I said that. And then I said, Did, did you I notice just... in the moment? No, I, I stopped. I hesitated. And I said, Did I just say this woman washed Jesus' hair with her feet? And everyone looks sort of weird, but I listened to the audio afterwards, and I did say that, and nobody noticed. So it's easier for uh, an eye to go through a camel of a needle uh, than whatever. Crazy how the brain switches things like that. Does that that. demonstrate that just nobody listens to you? Uh, A.B. Earl. What was that, Mark? A.B. Earl. A.B. Earl. Rachel still says A.B. Earl to this day. What is A.B. Earl? What's A.B. Earl about, Ray? You remind me. It's, uh, I, I give a quote from A.B. Earl and say to the congregation, um, those of you who are thinking of something else, lift your hand up, as I read A.B. <laughs> Earl. usually a lot of hands yeah, go up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, including the pastor. And I say, this quote is so important, so make sure you listen to it. But uh, yeah. it, there's a little bit of humor in there. I've forgotten. So A.B. Earl means people weren't paying attention. What's that? What? What's that? But let's talk about that, though, Ray, the other extreme where people get so so steeped in politics that they forget that we're also to be about the gospel. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) True. And have a nice day. (laughs) I have no more to add to that, Easy. It's just, that's our calling. And I'd be horrified if I put my energies into anything other than the gospel to lay my head on my deathbed if I get one. And to think, man, I wasted two years when I didn't reach out to people with the, with the gospel of everlasting life, or I wasted six months. I want every day to be a, a burning and a shining light, because mm. that's what Christians are called to be. It's so important to remember that Jesus said to us, pray to the Father that he would raise up laborers to be thrust on the harvest fields. That's what we need. That's what there's a shortage of. So we want evangelistic Christians, Christians who know the Great Commission and want to fulfill it, to get involved in politics and mm. take that Amen. with them. See, you did have more to say. Yeah. Yeah. So a good takeaway, really, with what Ray just said is, don't wait until you have all the answers, until everything is all set up. Go today. Today is the day, right? Don't yeah. think, well, this weekend, I'm going to go to this place and share the gospel. No, you can share today. As you go to the grocery store, as you answer that telephone call, as you cross the street, have gospel tracks in hand, ready to communicate 
a life-saving message. Along with being involved politically, what's going to change a nation more than the hearts of men and women being changed? I mean, they're going to be the future politicians, and they're going to be the ones that are going to vote for righteous causes. I mean, you mentioned that, Oscar, you know, because you guys think about it. Every political season, if, if you would, especially with a presidential election, like there's this fervor, oh, there's this emotionalism. Everyone's typically, what is it? This new president for conservatives is our hope. He's yeah. going to change... Give me a break. Like how many times have we been through yes, that? Right. That's not the hope. Of course, right. we need to be involved. We need to champion those causes and, and champion those politicians or candidates. But that's not the hope. That's right. Trump was raised to a place of a savior status. Totally. Yeah. Insanely. And that's that's terrible. Yeah. Because right? well, there's only one savior. Yeah. And then again, to be able to, you mentioned like those political seasons, but nowadays my sense is that we we hold on to that political lens for all four years. Like we don't mm. take it off anymore. And yeah. so the value of, the, of, of seeing the world through the gospel lens is that we can take off of it, those political lenses. We don't look at our neighbors as conservative or liberal. We don't look at the city we live in as conservative or liberal. We don't look at the state that we live in as conservative or liberal. Instead, when we put on a gospel lens, what we do is we realize that we were once beggars who have found a feast and now have been told to go out and invite more to that feast. And that is the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. And along with that too, guys, I'm sure you've seen this dynamic. We touched on it lightly earlier, but when politics become your religion, if you would, and you're all about conservatism, you begin to give people a pass in the sense that you don't care about other things that they champion that are wicked and evil mm. or or like you talked about Oscar things that they do and 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 then we forget about their need for for salvation i mean you think of like as an example Bruce Jenner who calls himself now Caitlyn Jenner he identifies as a conservative and it's like he was running for the governor of California not long ago but again people throw everything out the window and it's like but wait a minute here, there are other issues at play, you know, but oh, we claim to be conservative. Or think about uh, even recently, uh, David Rubin, he's a conservative, but he's homosexual. And he, he posted a picture of him and his partner where they were showing pictures of babies that they're having. And I don't know if it was, you know, they had surrogate mothers or obviously something like that. And this is what I'm talking about. Now, there were some within real conservative circles, even some supposed Christian circles that were praising that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wonderful. What do you mean wonderful? This is, this is totally unnatural and, and, and wrong. And so that's what I'm talking about, right? The blindness mm-hmm. that, that ends up arising. Yeah, I mean, I had somebody take this scripture out of context, right? Ecclesiastes 10.2. Mm. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a <laughs> fool's it. heart to the left, <laughs> right? So all the fools are on the left, uh, right? There was a maxim that was floating around during the presidential election, which was uh, simply this, and it's true, and we must not forget it. Regardless who is president, Jesus will always be king. And last night I was talking to a family member who was so upset with the political system and everything that's going on, says, listen, I'm having a hard time concentrating during the day because of all the craziness that is happening right now uh, politically. What do I do? And I said, Turn off the news. Yeah. <laughs> Just turn off the news and open your Bible. You're wow. safe. You know, there is, I was listening to this uh, interview by this former Fox News executive, and they were a part of the branding and marketing kind of area of it. And he said that at one point, they started to receive re- complaints 
because people would turn off their television and the Fox emblem would be burned into the TV. He said, because people were watching so often. And so they didn't want people to realize that that's how often they were watching Fox News. So they redesigned the emblem to always be moving so that people wouldn't complain about the burn Are you serious? 100%. And it was- Jesus mentioned that, go tell that Fox. Remember that? (laughs) And so the point point is that often we, we spend so much time that we can't help but see the world through a political lens. Yeah. Well, it's changed. You know, I've changed my life in the last two years. Not watched so much politics, but I turn it on to hear our president blaspheming God's name, uh-huh. and I just thought, I don't want this anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- there has to be a balance in all of that. You know, I know there's some Christians that honestly like never engage at all with the news or or find out what's going on. I think that's an extreme because we need to know what's going on in our culture. We need to know how to pray and and how to vote and and so forth. But then there are those that are utterly consumed. I feel the drain after watching news for so long. Like you feel hollow and empty. It's like and after a while I'm like turn this off. Like I don't even want to hear this but isn't noise. But it better anymore. to read it. I I read the news on my iPad and it doesn't come at you like it That's a good point, Ray. I agree. I, I do think so. I, it's I think. like the difference between eating a meal yourself or having it thrown at you. Yeah, right. And it just, it, it, it saps you of energy, it saps you of joy, and it, it can be so distracting too when it's, again, out of balance mm-hmm. and we're not striking that right balance. So yeah, we have to just remember, and, and let, me, let me just remind us of this, what we're supposed to do. Was that ice cream, Ray? <sighs> <laughs> what is that? Ray, I just is fell that on my thing? iPad. That is so Oh, it looks so good. Ray, chocolate. thank you. And I'm that only is... eating sugar once a week now, so thank you <laughs> for that. That's such a liberal cone of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> All right, squirrel. Um, <laughs> but the importance of what Scripture says, 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 2. Mm. Therefore, I... <laughs> <laughs> What's it say, Ray? Supplication. Remember to pray for all men, especially Look at this. those. He finally, if there what was mean, one. Finally, I've never bluffed it. This yeah. is always true. Yeah. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that they may lead, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And less online. <laughs> right, and if my citizenship gets canceled because I didn't renounce the queen, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, it's out, Ray. But that that prayer, mm. the importance of prayer for our political leaders to intercede for them. Like seriously, how often do we pause to pray for Biden's salvation? Mm. It should be regular. Yeah. How often do we pause to to pray for God to strengthen the believing? politicians to they could be a light in congress i mean you know in congress they have chapel there there are christian leaders and sometimes there have been respectable ones that have gone and that would teach regularly and minister to them lloyd ogilvy i think was one of them yes, some time he back was he was great godly man oh, he had the best voice didn't he i just think oh, it's yeah. <laughs> yes i'll try to swap with him but you know i mean there are the gentleman that we know who's high up in in, in the government Who? godly man not, we're not mentioning we're not mentioning his name? name we're not going to talk about him but you know what i'm saying like it's it's so key that we pray that we remember that Amen. that the Lord is able to move the heart of the king, if you Boy, will. Boy, if we could get a grip of the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Just get yeah. a grip of that. You know, Spurgeon wrote so often on prayer, and 
so beautifully. And every time I, I, I read morning and evening daily and that's the name of the devotional, the devotional morning. It's like and I evening. read more, I read lunchtime, I read morning, evening, lunchtime. It's so powerful. Every time I come across him talking about prayer and it's a reminder, if anything we forget to do, it's pray mm-hmm. as believers. After evangelism, I would have to say it's the most difficult thing to do. And it's a real indicator of where we're at spiritually because it's a it's really a demonstration of faith. We're speaking into the air. Yeah. We're believing God is hearing and that he will move according to his will. That verse, the prayer of the righteous man availeth month, much is the exact reason why we don't let Mark pray anymore. <laughs> You're banned. Say that again. It's the reason we don't oh, let don't Mark, Mark pray, pray anymore. Okay. Yeah. And Psalm 66, 18 is why we don't let you. What does that one say? Yeah. And then, you know, one final word to all of our friends listening. Don't forget that you have impact on the next generation that goes even further than politics. Kent and Barbara Hughes said, parenting, not politics, not the classroom, not the laboratory, not even the pulpit is a place of greatest influence. To suppose otherwise is to be captive to the shriveled secular delusion. We must understand that it is through the godly family that God's grace, a vision of God, a burden for the world, and a Christian character are most powerfully communicated. Parents, don't abandon your place of influence. It is still true that the hand that rocks a cradle rules the world. Believe it. That's right. And so let's raise up that godly generation who's going to be impactful to be involved in the political process Amen. and to vote right and to reach the world with that the That was a great quote, easy. Merci beaucoup. While Mark and Oscar paid no attention. Well, no, I was, was going to say amen, and I couldn't find a gap because the quote kept going. To the- <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the shorter ones. Well, friends, we hope you have been stirred and encouraged. And that, again, as always, God's word has impacted you. We want to hear from you. Email at livingwaters.podcast at livingwaters.com. <laughs> Podcast at livingwaters.com. How can I not remember that? Give us your thoughts and your input. And make sure to check out all of our resources at livingwaters.com where you can get equipped to fulfill the Great Commission. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters, not political, sometimes political podcast. Merci. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too, those of you who are listening. Just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.